Sometimes they say they save the best for last, and we're hoping that as we continue to unveil our new podcast channel on the New York Red Bulls radio network, this will be one that you'll look forward to each and every month. We have already had the first edition of our coaches show. We have had several editions of our players only podcast called Kicking It, and we will now start with Inside the Booth. Matt Harmon, Steve Jolly from the New York Red Bulls Radio Network. We are getting set to kick off the 2019 Major League Soccer season and looking forward to be back with you. It is your number five for what we do on our TuneIn Radio channel, on the New York Red Bulls app, on the New York Red Bulls website. Always picked up from time to time at Sirius XMFC Channel 157 during the course of our regular season and playoffs. I say as we come to you not from inside the booth today, but from inside one of the beautiful and luxurious suites here at Red Bull Arena, a very good hello to my partner who I've missed during the course of the yeah. offseason, Steve Jolly. We're here and we're doing it. Um, I gotta commend you on that first podcast I listened to relative to the coach's show with Mr. Armist. Did learn some wonderful information about him being a game player and, uh, and beating our pan, which is always uh, nice to hear. So that was a wonderful little Little story you guys had there together. A little well, moment you guys had together it was really nice. Well, listen, here's here's what I'm going to say. I have a bunch of things that I, I think at some point during the course of this first <laughs> we episode address at some point. we'll get to, <laughs> but this will certainly be free-flowing, not always soccer-related. Uh, but the one thing I will start with, and you just mentioned it, and I do appreciate it, you listened to that first episode of The Coaches Show because I know if there is one thing you are an expert on, mm-hmm. and it might only be one thing, it's podcasts. I do love my podcasts. As you're well aware, I spend a lot of quality time in my car, most likely uh, Pennsylvania Turnpike or the New Jersey Turnpike, and I spend a lot of good time. Uh, mostly our golf-related and uh, money finance ones that are related have no problem uh, as we go around this show uh, telling you exactly which ones I like which ones I think you might enjoy as well. So we'll go with it. We'll see what happens. At some point, we'll, we can certainly compare what you listen to on the podcast circuit, what I listen to on the podcast circuit. I bet it is vastly different because I am not a huge golf person from time to time when we are on the road together. I am amazed <laughs> at how much golf you will find where I didn't even know that there was a golf tournament during the course of that weekend. If there's golf on, you will find it. I will find it. That is without a doubt all interest in sport that I used to have in terms of uh, the variety of you know basketball, football, soccer, all that kind of stuff. Went one directional when I retired and went straight to, to golf. So, hey, don't hate me. Don't hate me. So when you think about, and actually this was something that, that came up with, with some of our players' podcasts. When Connor Laid, when we talked to him in Arizona, he mentioned an off day and talked about going to play golf. I think it was him and Luis and one or two yeah, other members of, of the staff. The yeah. uh, and it seems like I think they're kind of in the minority in terms of guys that are on the current roster that are, that are big into golf. You, as a former player, was that something that you learned how to do while you were playing, or was that post-playing Steve Jolly, I need a new hobby, let me find something else to do? My wife makes fun of this all the time. Uh, you know, Lauder, my wife, she obviously, uh, we've been together for a long, long time, married for 18 years, my entire career, she was with me side by side, and she is uh, dumbfounded that I never played golf when I actually had time in my life, i.e. when practice was over at like noon every single day. Usually that, 
it was uh, I was either coaching a team or doing something, whatever it may be, but I never really engaged in the game. And then it got me, and it got me hard when I quit. And now that I have three kids and have absolutely no life, uh, it's not easy to find the game, but uh, I get that out there every once in a while and uh, at least walk a couple holes to get the de-stress, if that is even a word. Just get it off my mind and hit that white ball as far and as accurate as I can. Well, listen, for those that have listened to Steve and I do what we do from game to game, you know that we like to have fun with one another. We, we've uh, become really good friends over the course whoa, whoa, of the last whoa, 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 five years. Now. But to your point about golf, you have become such a golf person that <laughs> at one point last year, did you spend a weekend working a course? I spend a lot of time on a golf course. I, I will tell you without, yes, I, between going to like tournaments that are locally, I, I live in Philadelphia. Philadelphia is like one of the hotbeds, sort of like Long Island in terms of uh, golf courses. And there's a lot of things that you can do. And I have a little bit of a habit to play a lot around me. I'm a member of a club in Philadelphia, but I also uh, spend some time at a place in Virginia Beach, which is my hometown, as you're well aware, um, heaven on earth, as I like to call it. And so, I have literally, if I have a second outside of anything dealing with my family and my kids, and I have three kids, seven, nine, 11, so they have me running anywhere. If I do have a second, it's usually I'm running to a golf course to walk a couple holes, to hit a couple balls, and it just it gets me balanced in life. And I, I, don't know what it, I don't know where it came, the addiction, but it came in and it came in hard. When it comes to these podcasts, uh, we're, at some point, I'm sure when you and I do this every month, we'll have a guest on here or there. I mean, I'm already envisioning having Pilar come on That's the podcast cool. and really break down what it's like to be Steve Jolly's <laughs> wife, day-to-day operational person, because as you said, married for a long time, dated for a long time before that. I mean, that, she's my that, poor, yeah. that poor, poor woman. I know, I know. Uh, I mean, she's been around the uh, the Red Bull family for a long time. So she knows a lot of people around here, and she feels comfortable about it. One of the luxuries, as you and I have discussed in our little uh, cubby hole up on the sixth floor, is that we get to bring you know, our kids, and they're involved and engaged in the, in the Red Bull family, which we both think is an absolute blessing, to say the least. And, uh, yeah, she'll, she'll give you some good stories and, you know, they're probably, well, they're definitely going to be true because uh, she's got a lot on me. We'll just say that. A lot. A lot on me. On you. More than any person around. Hopefully. Uh, <laughs> it is Matt Harmon, Steve Jolly. We are inside the booth, our monthly podcast. Uh, as we get set for the start of the 2019 Major League Soccer season, uh, we're excited for it, obviously. Red Bulls will open up in Columbus. Then they will have the second week by with the hopes that they are still playing in the Champions League. Partner, as, as you look at the the season a year ago, we transition into maybe some more soccer-related topics. I'm sure at some point we'll get off of that <laughs> as well. Uh, but last year was a special year for the New York Red Bulls. 71 points, most ever in Major League Soccer history in the regular season, the deep run in the Champions League, uh, all the way to the Eastern Conference Finals. Yes, the year did end with disappointment, not getting an opportunity to play for that star and MLS Cup, but all things considered, it was a magical year. When you factor in the coaching change that took place in the middle of the year, having to win and grab every single point down the stretch in order for you to win the Supporter Shield and then get back in the Champions League again in 2019, uh, it, it was another great year for this franchise. And this was something that you and I talked about last year. From a consistency standpoint, you think, from when I'll say the current regime took over in 2015 till now, 
they've been really the cream of the crop in the entire league. Yeah, I'm looking at a stat right here. Points from 2015 on. 2015, we had 60 points. 2016, 57. Uh, 50 points in 2017. And the first team ever to get 70 points, 71 points in 2018. Uh, in terms of consistency, you know, this has been the team in Major League Soccer. And it's kind of taking it to this next level, I think, is what we're probably going to be talking about on the podcast. We're going to be talking on our show. Um, some things that we see, I mean, there is a level of consistency here that is, is pretty special, to say the least. And knowing that we have that extra DP in our pocket, I think is going to be very interesting over the next couple of months. You know, that was something that came up in media day, which took place earlier, uh, I'll say this week, based on when we're recording. And there were questions that were thrown at, at Dennis Hamlet, who, of course, is a sporting director for New York. Why has there not been a third DP? And, and he made the point, well, we look at what we've done during the course of the offseason. Using TAM money, we re-up with Aaron Long, we re-up with Tim Parker, we bring back Mark Shotkovsky. Uh, we've got a really good young team that we believe in. And if we need it at some point, we're not adverse to going out and spending the money to get it. But the, the Red Bull organization and franchise feels like right now their roster is deep enough to be, again, one of the premier teams in Major League Soccer. I would only add, from my own personal views, is they're deep enough to see how deep they're going to be relative to the idea that uh, really nobody knows what the way a season is going to go in the first month or two. There's a lot of feeling out of the process. And uh, unfortunately, when you have, you know, and we've gone back a million times on this, when you have a back line and a goalkeeper like you have right now um, that's going to stay consistent from 2018 to 2019, you can be pretty comfortable knowing that you're going to be staying in games no matter who you play no matter how many dps are, are lined up against you and i think you know knock on wood that four in the back and you know he's sliding in a connor laid whenever needed whatever it may be and uh and adding obviously robles i mean that is that is a special special group and i think everybody has pretty much said the best defensive unit in all of major league soccer so it's going to keep you in games well i remember last year hearing at the beginning of the 2018 season Jesse Marsh talk about this is the deepest roster that we've ever had. This year, start of 2019 season, the same mantra from Chris Armas, this is the deepest roster we'll ever have. And I think we're going to see it very early in the season. If New York continues in the Champions League, they've got that first game, the, the 2019 MLS opener with Columbus, sandwiched in between, again, potentially a couple of games. Uh, the roster that you could see, the starting lineup in Columbus, could be not really the first choice 11, but you're going to be able to get a pretty good gauge right away in what's always been a difficult place for New York to play in Columbus, in Ohio, to throw 11 guys out there and kind of see exactly early on in the year just how they fit. Yeah, I mean, and also with the Columbus situation, you're looking at a team against Columbus, and we don't need to go into great detail about Columbus, but that's pretty much the same team as 2018 that they're going to see Saturday night. Minus their head coach. Minus the head coach, who's probably going to have, if anybody, Porter is going to have some pressure on him, if anybody on that field has pressure. Um, so that's going to be interesting. But, uh, you know, obviously for me, for the first couple weeks, I'm looking at some injured players coming back, Kamara Lawrence, Velo. You know, those are probably my big two in terms of, you know, where where do they stand? Where are they in terms of not only physically but mentally in terms of how they kind of approach the game and how much minutes they get? Um, you know, so that, that for me, that's where I, I'm kind of spending the next couple of weeks is seeing how much time they get um, with those overlays. Hopefully with this Champions League, uh, we're going to see a lot of guys with a lot of minutes right now. You think in terms of last year's roster compared to this year's roster, 
you lose Tyler Adams, you lose Aurelian Collin, one guy who played almost every minute in Tyler, uh, who is doing fantastic right now with Red Bull Leipzig, and Aurelian Collin, who was a stabilizing force in the locker room, even though he didn't get a ton of minutes last year. You take those two guys out, you think you resigned what you needed to resign, you bring back Shotkovsky, you add a Matthias Jorgensen, who, by all accounts, should be able to fit in whenever he gets here and get up to speed with how the Red Bulls play. Young guy up front might be a real good option uh, should BWP need a break, which he will at some point during the course of the year. Um, but those kind of changes, there's not a lot of roster turnover, but then you look at so many other teams in Major League Soccer from year to year. You mentioned Columbus, which I think is a good example, kind of in line with Red Bull, very similar. Other teams, they completely blow it up, not from year to year, but it's like, okay, we've got to completely rebuild and we've got to do it again. Yeah, I mean, you know, looking back at that stat I kind of mentioned about in terms of consistency, in terms of points, you know, it's been Red Bull and FC Dallas, you know, over the last couple of years because they both have a system in play. Um, I can tell you with complete certainty in my heart that I have absolutely no fear about that locker room. But I am worried. I am worried about Tyler Adams. And I, I'm obviously a lot more worried than, you know, the coaching staff. But, you know, you're talking about a player and, uh, you know, I, I mean, he's – He's kind of a once-in-a-decade kind of player that can come in and do some things that I think were really special. I mean, just the distance he covered, um, he was putting out fires, and he put out a lot of fires in that midfield. He's a special, special talent. Uh, I'd go so far as he was so special that I often, when my son was watching the game with me, my kids or whatever it may, I'd always say, hey, watch this player play because he's something special, and I don't know how long he's going to last here. And now you see he has all the confidence in the world to step at the biggest level uh, in the world in terms of uh, Leipzig, and he's doing his thing. And it's, it's just great to see. It's great to see. Talk to me about another guy that New York uh, most recently re-signed, and I know you're a huge fan of him in a position you're extremely familiar with. That's Aaron Long, who had the opportunity in the offseason to wear the captain's armband for the United States, not once but twice, uh, still very young in his international career. But what an honor. And – well-deserved when you think of it, right? I mean, think of a guy, and, and we've already talked to him on our, on our Players Only podcast, that probably so many times between Portland, Seattle, Red Bull 2 could have said, you know what, this isn't for me anymore. And now, brand new contract, you could make the argument he's going to be a mainstay in the U.S. lineup for a long time to come, last year's Defender of the Year. It's a fantastic story. Yeah, it is. And uh, so – I'll talk about Aaron, and then I'll kind of extend it to, you know, some other people in the back line. You know, I have been a huge proponent of Aaron for a long time. I think he reads the game exceptionally well. I think uh, he has those, those intangibles because he's always been an offensive-minded player and an attacking midfielder that he understands kind of what the attackers are going to do sometimes before they do, and he gets himself in really, really good spots. Um, I am ecstatic that uh, – we are now a league that can pay a player of his ability on the international level at the way that they're they're paying him, and I'm including Tim Parker too. Uh, th those are two players that, when you talk about the importance of the spine of the field, and everybody talks about the spine of the field, you got to have a good players on the spine of the field. You know, those are two guys that can stick around for a very long time. And and honestly, they're not the same player in any capacity. They're a lot of differences between those two defenders. But they're two really quality defenders that, uh, that even though, you know, as, as Robles gets a little bit older and we don't know exactly what's going to happen relative to the midfield and, 
you know, we can't extend that spine all the way to BWP, but having two solid center backs uh, makes me feel comfortable that you can float some players around that can make this team something special. And that's not to demean in any capacity the guys on the outside, because quite frankly, we have the best left back in all of Major League Soccer without question in my book, Kamar Lawrence. Uh, but it does show that, you know, those are two athletic big players that can, as they learn, and they're still learning the game. And you can see them making mistakes, especially Aaron. But you see the potential in there, and you don't mind those mistakes at all because you know he's going to learn from them quickly. And, uh, and that's what's been proven over the last couple of years with Aaron is he's gotten a platform to excel. This team has shown time and time, to <laughs> again, to give those young players some, uh, a platform to, to perform, and, uh, and they've done it. And, and if you're a college player and you're not connected in the homegrowns or whatever you want to call it relative to Major League Soccer, this is definitely one of the teams that you hope you're being drafted by because you know you're going to get a legitimate opportunity to play. We will take a quick timeout. I'm going to continue on something that you said. We'll carry it over after our quick pause. You are inside the booth on the New York Red Bulls Radio Network with Matt Harmon and Steve Jolly. Download the New York Red Bulls app today to stay up to date on everything New York Red Bulls. Buy, share, and scan your tickets. Get all the latest news and content and listen to New York Red Bulls radio in English and Spanish. Then flip to arena mode to find concessions near your location and get real-time answers from the Red Bulls chatbot. Available now on iOS and Android or visit NewYorkRedBulls.com for more information. We are back on the New York Red Bulls radio network, episode number two of what we are calling right now Inside the Booth, a monthly podcast with myself, Matt Harmon, and my partner, Steve Jolly. We handle the New York Red Bulls radio broadcast, game in and game out. We're going to start our second segment with that, Inside the Booth. That was kind of spitballed among some other names during the course of the week before we recorded. Uh, but we are open to change if, as you are listening to it, you have some suggestions. Yeah, Matt was pretty heavy-handed in knowing that we were not going to do just Jolly. I would have loved just Jolly. But, but then that's okay. That's in you essence are the voice. Saying, you are the voice. That's so. in essence saying it's just you. And that wouldn't be true because we'd be nowhere without you. Matt. Could we say just jolly with <laughs> special guest? I could be the guy, the big Featuring. name, the big name at the end of the beginning of the movie where it's end who has a title. And, and that goes to what we're talking about before. We need to bring this out and say if anybody has a good recommendation other than inside the booth, then uh, I'm all about it, man. Why not? When you, we're all about the people here. We, That's what we're doing. Oh, without we're question. We are all about the people. You can contact myself, Steve, via Twitter. Uh, you can contact uh, Gordon Stevenson, who is our producer, director, and now technical guru when it he comes is. to these podcasts. How about a shout-out to John Gasparoni, who never is a guy that looks for attention, but, but we like to be able to shower it upon him. He gives great little nuggets of info just about every single game. I will say every game does great work as much as I like to uh, or not like to admit it John's the man and as we get set for a broadcast uh, that we're about to embark on I will say as much as I love traveling to other places it is nice to come home and know that we have Paul Schrager upstairs as our engineer for our Red Bull radio broadcast and I don't have to worry about cleaning the windows, which I did down in the Dominican Republic. And I'm not do, above you it. You do what you got to do. I'm not above right? it, but I wanted to make sure, number one, I could see. And uh, I know you you probably enjoyed seeing that, that I had to actually clean the windows. I did see it. And you did a great job on air. It was not an easy game, I assure you, in terms of – it was tough for us. 
the little people who stayed back here in the States and had to watch it through Yahoo Sports because of time delay, but that's just another issue. That okay, so let's out. talk about staying back. I, I mean, yes, I was in the Dominican, but were you on, like, Space Mountain at that time? <laughs> I, was, I was in Disney World. How was that? It was awesome. My mom invited uh, me and my family and uh, my sister's family to Disney World, and uh, we had a great time. We were I in mean, the happiest place on earth, Matt. We were in the happiest place on earth. Is it true? Is it fair to say that she really wanted the grandkids? Yeah, she but care about you, me. you had to. <laughs> you had to be the one to get down Absolutely. there. Absolutely, that's a go-to with the grandparents. I'll tell you what. I have not them. been to Disney in a really long time but i'm looking forward to getting back there uh it, it's definitely a it's a fun place to walk hey, around we're not giving free free uh little segments here to disney well unless they start ponying up i here. was gonna say there are like, sponsorship opportunities yes, available for well, this inside the booth disney's to, got the money to, Trust to me. possibly be changed down <laughs> we're the not line helping them out anymore to something else um so i want to go back to to something that before our break you had talked about and you mentioned both tim parker and aaron long to American-born center backs that probably maybe, and you would, you're a perfect one to ask, ask this to, 10, 15 years ago, that allocation money would never be used no. on an American-born player, let alone an American-born center back. Maybe. <laughs> yeah, I can show you paychecks, buddy. How <laughs> <laughs> bad. There's a good thing. I maybe keep on telling myself. Maybe now Major League Soccer has realized we have to, loosen the purse strings should i say to keep guys like that around and i don't even know, like i wouldn't even frame it that way quite frankly and and you know we have talked about this a million times sometimes and and you know we're big proponents of the game we're big proponents of major league soccer we're big proponents of the league everything and you get outside of our little bubble and there's a lot of people that don't care about soccer and so you're the disciple you're always telling people how great it is and, uh, and the thing that I often find, I find it with my high school friends who aren't really involved and engaged in it, is like they have lost perspective of how fast this league has grown. Like at one point, 18 years ago, it was almost gone. Three people kept it together. Kraft family, Hunt family, and the Anschutz family. Those three individuals literally kept this league afloat. Saved it. Saved it. Saved it. it I mean... And then you look at it from a perspective of now teams, 27, 28 teams, most likely going to 32 teams. I just do not see – I mean, that's definitely going to happen. I don't know if it's news yet, but it's definitely going to happen. It's just a matter of time. There's too many markets that see it. You know, you see the growth rate of, uh, of since, you know, Don Garber took over, who you know I'm, I'm a big fan of. I worked for him um, and where this league is. And, uh, and I can tell you with complete honesty, and my wife will joke about it, but uh, in complete honesty – you know, a guy like Tim Parker, a guy like Aaron Long, um, to see what these guys are making and to be able to play a sport that they love in a country that they love and to see what they're making today is absolutely incredible. I love it. Do I you, love it. Do you love I it? I do love it. Are you, well, I'll ask you this question. Are you, as a former player, when you look at it, are you – I know you're happy for the growth of the league without question, but – do you, in a way, think to yourself, why wasn't I born like a decade later? Because you'd be smack dab in the middle of it but right it was, now. I mean, it's perspective, right? I mean, at the end of the day, I, when I, I went to school for the sake of going to a school, right, in college. And then it got to a point where I was so not involved in the soccer world to where my college coach, literally my senior year, says, hey, you might want to think about giving this a try. 
like I was up in New York, you know, my junior year trying to find jobs for when I was going to, when I was done, you know, in college at William Mary. And then, you know, I just kind of was like, Hey, let's give this a try. I get invited to a couple of different little preseason things. Next thing you know, um, and it's a, a long story, but we talked about it before I get drafted and it's like, well, wait a second here. Like, let's, let's just see what happens. I mean, it was like literally like from the, I didn't know what was going to happen a week from now or two weeks from now after I got drafted, which goes to the funny connection of uh, Chris Armas because Chris Armas was literally my first roommate when I got drafted and showed up in L.A. going, I don't know what I'm doing here, but we're going to give this a try for a couple weeks and see what happens. You know, so funny that you that you bring that up. And yes, at some point we, we will probably go a little bit. It deep. is a good story about draft in terms of how this league has changed. The way we got drafted in 97 – compared to now and then you go to the it's like picking NFC. kids in gym it's class like, i'll take you i'll take you i'll take you it's a good story it's a good story but i'll hold that for maybe episode two or three we, we will definitely get into that at some point but you bring up roommates and uh as i had the opportunity to talk to some of the guys in florida in arizona you know you can see the the bonds that are formed with roommates um and and to me and then we did our coaches show with chris who is who is i think so excited about an opportunity to be a head coach he expressed that last year but now I think he can kind of reflect on a little bit more having an offseason would that have been a guy that you would have said in the late 90s early 2000s that could be a guy who could be a head coach without question I I was surrounded by those guys at LA Galaxy uh the Greg Vanny like our starting lineup it was pretty much Greg Vanny to the left of me Dan Kalishman who's assistant coach uh, was been in the league in terms of, I think, for Chivas. Robin Frazier was right next to me. That was our flat back four with Chris Armas in front of us. I mean, I was surrounded by coaches, which kind of saved the day for me in terms of understanding the game because I'd never played defense in my entire life until I got to, uh, to MLS. And, uh, and it was kind of an Aaron Long story. I was a defensive center mid, center mid. Uh, Lothar Osiander, who was my first coach for LA Galaxy, I remember like the first week of preseason, goes, listen, kid, I need you to go win the ball, and within a one or two touches, give it to that guy, and he was pointing to Mauricio Sanfuegos because I knew my place right away. I was just the hound, the, the best player. And I spent the first 10, 15 games of my career before I got tore my ACL as literally I was the man marker for the midfielder, the Donadonis of the world, the Echeverrias of the world. And that's kind of – I was like, okay, I'll do whatever you tell me to do. Sure. And then I came back, and I was a defender, and – then I was surrounded by guys like Greg Vanny and Dan Kalishman and Robin Frazier and Chris Armas, all coaches today. Um, amazing when you think of it as uh, FC Cincinnati will come into the league as the 24th team this year. Miami, Nashville, and Austin announced as 25, 26, 27. There's been so much speculation about who will be 28, whether it's a Sacramento, a St. Louis, Phoenix, Detroit, Las Vegas. Charlotte. That's why I, I – Charlotte. Charlotte. Keep an eye on those. Or or Raleigh, Durham, somewhere in there. Charlotte's got some big money looking at this. Somewhere in North (laughs) Carolina. That's why I think, Steve, and and again, as the year goes on, I'm sure we can bring this back up, but um, I was talking with somebody about it the other day, too, and I used your point every once in a while. I I do listen to what you say and then bring it back up. (laughs) Touche. And I said, why would the league ever stop at 28 if you've got – four other teams to get the 32 I don't think you can go past that because then then it's probably yeah. stretching a little bit but why would you say no to four other teams to get to 32 who are dangling anywhere between 170 to 200 million dollars in your face and you're not because it's tv money I mean at the end of the day uh, you know I as I mentioned I worked for the league office and I sold corporate sponsorships and it wasn't very I mean well it was very hard 
to talk to some big dollar players in the marketing space and not be able to say that you have anywhere at the time in the southeast dc and that was it and you can't even really define dc as the uh, i mean there was no north carolina south carolina no georgia teams no florida teams there was nothing down there and um i mean it's been an, a pretty incredible thing just seeing how much the league has grown seeing all the you know soccer specific stadiums uh, just the ability for these young players. I mean, there's literally players, the Tyler Adams of the world, who get to grow up watching you know, this team in this kind of capacity like Red Bull Arena and saying to themselves in the back of their mind, you know, this is pretty incredible that I get to, uh, to maybe do this for a living because I didn't have that at all. I didn't have it until literally my senior year in college. And then you go to the perspective, and, I, and you know, I'm sure we'll talk about this later in terms of the different podcasts. I mean, think about the under-20 teams. Like the under-20 team that's playing in the World Cup very soon, they're saying that this might be the best team ever. Like, we're going to make a deep run. And, and, and that's knowing that they probably won't even get some of the best players like Tyler Adams because their teams won't let them out during the summer. Like, they're going to make a deep run. And it's just, it's a whole different world. It is a whole different world. Couple more uh, as we wrap up episode number one inside the booth. Whether we continue with that or not, that will be up for debate as we continue here. Don't forget, as you're listening to us, uh, you can follow us on the New York Red Bulls Radio Network. We are streaming all of our podcasts on Google Play, on iTunes off the New York Red Bulls app, VR TuneIn Radio app, a lot of ways to stay in touch. And, uh, of course, Steve and I are extremely uh, grateful for the organization allowing us to do what we do, game in and game out, and uh, really come with a whole new outlook on all the podcast stuff that we're going to bring you all during the course of the year. You might have already answered this question, but let's, let's go back on the field involving this 2019 New York Red Bull team. You talked about the defense coming back together. If I said, what is New York's greatest strength going into this year, is that it? That back five. I mean, oof. I mean, it's, it's about as solid as you're going to get. Uh, just in terms of uh, – when I say it's – I mean, yes, do I think there has been, quote-unquote, better defensive units? Yes. But those better defensive units usually include like a late eight, you know, 20s, early 30s kind of player or whatever it may be. This is a group that, you know, can stay here for a long, long time and give us some stability in a place that you need stability. So, you know, that um, – I think the big question marks that everybody – I mean, it's no doubt. I mean, is, is, is PWP going to keep on doing what he's doing? I mean, for him to score another 20 goals last year, Kaku, where's Kaku going to be in this situation? You know, he had 16, what, 16 assists, 14 assists last year, six goals. Those six goals being game winning, the offseason that we had with Kaku, is he going to come in and be the, you know, the ultimate professional and just, you know, kind of throw everything that happened during the, the dark period of guests of uh, December, January, and now, you know, is he going to step up and do his thing? I have no doubts about that. Um, you know, on the outside, Royer, you know, here's a player who uh, – he like, tore it up and then got injured, then, you know, kind of took his time getting back into the speed of things, but then came up big in the, in the season. And then he, I thought he played exceptionally well. For me, he was the player of the game, last CCL uh, game. And, uh, yeah, I mean, there are some, some opportunities here for guys like Below, who I thought played really well. Shikovsky to take it to another level because he sat the bench quite a bit last year, and he's a talented, talented player. And um, – I'm trying to think uh, what else. I mean, I, I mean, we talked about before, uh, before Fernandez. Uh, I've had a lot of people. I, I grew up in Virginia area, and I have a lot of friends around that ACC uh, world, and they say this is a special guy. So uh, I haven't seen him play very much. 
but I will tell you that I'm going to be looking at him to do some special things. I think there's some opportunities for him on the right side of the field. You think in terms of Champions League and uh, hopefully New York will make another deep run. They, they came up a, a leg short basically being in the finals, but I went back and, and looked at it and ever since it's kind of been the current um, incarnation of what the tournament is right now. Yeah. It's all Mexican teams yeah. that win every single year. Yeah. Yes, there's been a Toronto last year in the final, uh, Montreal a few years back, Real Salt Lake several years before that. Is it the fact that the talent gap is that much different or the old, ex I'll say excuse with, with no other thing that kind of comes in my mind of they're in midseason, we're at the beginning yeah. of the season. Is that the biggest problem for an MLS team, which it seems like it's getting closer, but until somebody wins yeah. and is the last team, it's the same story every year. And I mean, it's, it's that simple, really. I mean, for, for me, um, we can't judge ourselves as the best league in, in this hemisphere. Uh, until we start being a little bit more consistent in this Champions League, it's going to be hard because we are in the off season. Uh, we're getting ever so closer to uh, to being a little bit more consistent, knowing that we've got a couple teams that can be uh, and do some special things. I'm saying that after Toronto just had a complete nightmare in their uh, two games, but um, you know the time will come. There's not a doubt in my mind because the money's there. Uh, there's the uh, their consistency in terms of just the stadiums and the quality of life. Um, so as we talked about it. I, I worked for the league office in 0809 and uh, and we'd always have people say, well, where do you stand? And the league didn't stand too, you know, they, they weren't standing. high. They weren't standing very. I mean, they were standing, but it was a, it was a different kind of mindset. But we used to. And I'm t talking about guys like sitting at lunch table, Ollie Curtis and I so, you know, like, where do we want to be? And we always used to say, like, listen, there is no reason whatsoever that we're not the best league in this hemisphere and we're not a top five league by a certain date. Um, that date is close, 2020. That's what kind of the joke was. We're not there yet, but, man, we sure are getting close now. Um, I, I really think the, the kind of the X factor is when you bring in these markets and you bring in the money that is really, and that's the Kraft family, the Hunt family, and the Anschutz family is money. But when you have 25, 40 of those kind of people, the Arthur Blanks of the world, you're in a different world. The and, stakes have been raised. And a big time. That's the reason why you're seeing teams like the Philadelphia Union who haven't spent at all for the first 10 years of it. Then they go get Bedoya. And, you know, Bedoya's Bedoya. You know, I'm not going to say he's one of the better players in my book in the league, but he's consistent. He gets down back and forth, and now they go get the, uh, the Mexican player. Like, they're starting to spend money. And when Philadelphia Union is spending money, then you know we're in a different world now. So we're going to have plenty of time to go over so many things. And every time you, you give an answer and you, you have such great perspective on the league from the beginning of it to being part of it and then working in it and now broadcasting it, um, you know, one of the things to, to kind of come full circle with that Champions League question is, and we'll save this for another episode, and I promise one of them down the line, Steve and I will come up with a new plan of what Major League Soccer could look like with 32 teams. I wonder, as you look at the calendar that's changing this year and the season will be over in November as opposed to December, Yes. do those two weeks come on now the backside of the next year. So instead of preseason starting at the end of January, does it start in the beginning of January and maybe games start at mid-February, end of February, even if it's two or three games and then the Champions League starts because then you're a couple of games into your year a little bit rather than 
like this past year, whether it's New York going on the road and, and winning 2 nothing down in the Dominican, Toronto having problems, Atlanta having problems in, coast, in, uh, in Costa Rica, um, those kind of issues that yeah. are taking place, if you're a couple of games into your year, that certainly would help moving forward. Yeah, I do believe that. And I mean, I think when you kind of to bring out this entire conversation in a full circle is that it talks about the growth of our league. It talks about us having our own stadiums. Uh, we're not relying on, you know, playing in the Rose Bowl or, the, you know, the Meadowlands or anything and two other teams or three other teams playing and college football seasons and NFL teams playing. When you're dictating your own schedule, there's a lot of things that you can change in terms of perspective and seasons and, you know, timelines and, uh, you know, I genuinely do believe, and I know we're talking about another podcast, that this league is in for some really special things. I've seen it from its development to its growth in all aspects of it. I'm still involved in the league in some capacity in certain things, and I, and I can tell you with complete certainty in my heart that uh, this is going to get better, and it's going to be something special on an international stage. When you start thinking about the Almirons who came here, developed their trade, were sold money, and go in and do what he did on his first game where even Wayne Rooney was like, that's the best player on the field, period. And so, you know, we're in a different world. I mean, we are in a different world where we can develop young players like Tyler Adams who can step into the, one of the biggest leagues in the entire world and not even miss a step. Two quick things before we let you go. And I'm sure it's, it's if you've been listening to us all the way through, we're, you know, whatever, about 40 minutes in, the most important question. I got two of them before I let you go. What's your favorite ride at Disney? Oof, uh, that's a tough one. They have a, give me one. You know, here's I'll tell you any of the Disney parks. I won't even I won't even restrict you to actual Disney. Universal World. Studios. I kind of grabbed. That's not Disney. More, I know it's not Disney, but we did all the parks, and I liked Universal Studios, and I recommend that for people who are, prefer the roller coasters because it was the first year that my 11 year old uh, Tatum really got into roller coasters, and I could do that with her myself. Disney's great, you know. Animal Kingdom, we did it all. It was great. Don't get me wrong. It was very expensive, and I'm tired of giving Disney some free, free ad time here. But it, it was it was awesome. Universal. But what's your favorite ride? Um, so there, the Incredible Hulk was a pretty good one. I forget the one that was like a red rocket or something that was like straight downhill. Uh, we both enjoyed that one. Um, the uh, oh my goodness, not at Universal. Is it Epcot that has the uh, the water flume thing, Liam and I, my nine-year-old, he was in the front row with me, and we got destroyed with water. We had a great time. That was the last day. Uh, what was that? The log? I forget. Somebody knows. But, right. uh, we'll get we'll get back to it. I, and hey, I got to tell you, I've moved on from Disney. I don't want to ever go back. It was fun, but I don't want to ever go uh, back. Well, I'm going to give you. I'm going to give Museum. I'm going to. I'm going <laughs> to give you one more. Who's your favorite character when you go down? You got to take a picture with one of them yeah, with your kids. I mean, who you who you're gravitating when towards? When in Rome, man, that's Mickey. You got to go with Mickey. I mean, we did all the breakfasts with characters and all that kind of stuff. We lived it up for there. My mom took care of us. But when you go and you're, it's the, it's the mouse's kingdom. Let's not forget this. All right, I like it. Uh, this was a ton of fun. We, yeah. We've been we've been uh, angling to do this for a long time, and I can't wait to do it all during the course of the season. Um, keep listening to us again you can catch us on itunes feel free to give us a rating and a review on google play on the new york red bulls app on our tune in radio app tons of fun stuff coming for you all during the course of the year we threw out some shout outs earlier our thanks obviously to john gasparoni for being our mr information and for gordon stevenson for all his help for steve jolly i'm matt Harmon. we'll catch you next time inside the booth on the new york red bulls radio network